We are blessed, aren't we? Amen. We are blessed to be a part of this community. Yeah. <laughs> Let's give it up for us. <laughs> it really is about, it's about what God is doing in our midst. And that's kind of what the theme of the message is for this morning. So a couple of weeks ago, um, I got together with a friend who I hadn't seen for a while for lunch. And as we sat down at the uh, table at the restaurant, I said, so how are you doing? And he said, you know, typically my answer is, oh, I'm busy. And I began to realize that I was using busy as kind of a badge of honor, like look how important I am that my life is so busy and so forth. So I've, I've stopped using that. And then he went on to talk about what was going on in his life. And I thought, you know, that's, that's pretty wise because the reality is, all of our lives are busy. Everybody's life is busy. Have you ever watched a three-year-old? They are busy. All throughout my life, I, was, I can't think of a time where I wasn't busy. When I was in high school, I was so busy. When I went to college and was working part-time jobs, I was busy. When Marilyn and I were married at the beginning, she had a full-time job. I was a full-time student doing some part-time ministry stuff. We were busy. We had two sons come along. We were so busy. Have you ever talked to somebody who was recently retired? <laughs> what is it that they say, right? They say, I don't know when I had time to work. I'm so busy now, right? We are busy. Our lives are full. And that's a good thing. It's, it's not bad to be busy. Busy is fine. We're all busy. And so it was with that in mind that I was thinking about the Christmas story and specifically about Mary. Mary's life got really busy when she said yes to Gabriel, when ultimately she said yes to Jesus. Her life became a whirlwind of activity, right? She was a busy, busy lady. And as I was thinking about that, we were talking about, you know, this, this experience that uh, she had as we were part of the uh, preaching planning team. And thinking about how busy Mary's life must have been. So she says yes to Jesus, and immediately she has to explain to her family and to her fiancé what is about to happen. Soon thereafter, she has to pack up, and she travels to go be with her cousin Elizabeth for a period of time. Then she leaves Elizabeth, she comes back home, has to pack again, because she has to go with Joseph to Bethlehem, to be counted in a census, an 80-mile trek. They were busy. They get to Bethlehem, and the town is packed. There's nowhere for them to stay. And so they're busily trying to find a place, and they end up having to be in a stable, that they're busy then turning into an apartment, if you will. And soon thereafter, she gives birth to a child. And right after she gives birth, a group of smelly men show up at the stable, these shepherds, and telling a story of how an angel has appeared to them and explained to them what was going on. And then, of course, right after that, they have to go on back uh, to the temple to have Jesus circumcised, and then an angel appears to them and says that they have to flee 
because Herod is out to kill Jesus, and so they have to pack up again and go to Egypt. She was busy. So we're looking at this story, and we're in this preaching planning meeting, and there's a verse in the second chapter of Luke that I'm familiar with. You'll be familiar with it, many of you, if you know the story. But I'd never really paid much attention to it. It was Pastor Heather who kind of highlighted this verse. And I've been thinking about it kind of ever since. Like I said, it's a verse that you'll recognize for those of you who know the Christmas story. It's Luke chapter 2, verse 19. This is what it says. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. So here's Mary in the midst of the whirlwind that has become her life, with all that's going on, with all that's yet to happen. And it says that she's treasuring these things and pondering them in her heart. She pondered them. She was paying attention. She was noticing. She was remembering the things that were going on that God was doing in her life in those moments. And she was thinking about those things, thinking about the ways that God was at work all around her. And some of the things that she saw and realized were going on, some of those things she understood right in the moment. Some of those things I'm sure she had to ponder and think about over a period of time, and eventually she came to understand. And some things she probably never fully understood this side of heaven. Mary lived a very full, a very complicated, and many times a very difficult life. But what kept her on track, I think, was these times. You see, I don't think this was a one-time event, that she treasured these things and pondered them, and it was just that one moment. I think that became a lifestyle for her, that she treasured the things that she saw going around, how she saw God at work in her life, and she would ponder on them. So I want to share with you the takeaway. Here's what I hope that you'll take away from the message. I hope you're going to take some other things because I'm going to give some just practical things for us to be able to do. But here's the, here's the theme. Holy pondering keeps us from being swept away by the whirlwind of a busy life. Holy pondering. The reason I'm calling it holy is because that word holy means separate, set apart for a special purpose. So this that I'm talking about, this isn't just kind of mindless daydreaming or escapism. This is thinking about the ways that God is at work in your life, in your circumstance, in your world. And noticing those things, paying attention to those things, remembering those things, and then periodically pulling those things out and remembering them and thinking about them and asking, you know, the questions of what is God teaching me through these things? It's a holy pondering. 
Socrates is credited with saying that the, the unexamined life isn't worth living. In other words, if we're just going through life and we're not really taking time to ponder, to do that thinking of what is going on in my life, what has gone on in my life, if we're not doing that, what's the point? It's sort of like going to a movie, paying to go into a movie. You remember we used to do that? And then sleeping through the movie. I've done that. (laughs) And it's a waste of time and it's a waste of money. But we're not talking about a movie. We're talking about your life. To not pay attention to what is going on in your life and God's work in your life. What's the point? Holy pondering is particularly important, I think, at the times where you probably feel like you have the least amount of time to do it or the least inclination to do it. It's in those times of life that are the most distressing and the most difficult. We have this example from the life of David. David was in a time in his life where he was profoundly distressed. He was deeply disturbed. Things weren't going well in his life. And he's writing about that in Psalm 77. And he's articulating, you know, God, where are you? And I need you right now. And and why aren't you answering me? And all of that kind of thing that we all feel, I think, at times when we are in deep distress. And as he goes through that, he pivots. His thinking and his writing pivot. And he writes these words, and they're uh, Psalm 77, verses 11 and 12. Listen to what he wrote in the midst of his distress, right? I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. And I will consider all your works and meditate on your mighty deeds. Holy pondering. You hear what he said? I'm going to remember and consider and meditate on the things, God, that you have done long ago in my life, in the lives of others, in the midst of my distress, in the midst of the struggles of the whirlwind of my life. I'm going to remember and consider and meditate on all that you have done. This holy pondering, friends, is so easy to do. If you're hearing this and you're thinking, you know, this is, wow, like this is way out there and, you know, I'm not that spiritual and so forth. This is not something uh, just for spiritual giants. This isn't for just those people who, you know, know their Bible and know theology and all of that kind of stuff. This is for everybody, and it really is so easy to do. Let me give you some simple steps to enter into this process of 
holy pondering. The first thing we need to do is we need to quiet our body. You know, sometimes we think of our spiritual lives as all about our mind, right? We're learning things, we're reading things, we're listening to things, and it's all of, it's just a mind thing, and that's not the case because we're not just a brain. We are also a body and a soul. And so we need to calm our body. And this is a really simple thing too, just some controlled breathing. When we're stressed, when you are in a time of real struggle and desperation, what happens? Your breathing gets more shallow, your muscles tense up. It's that fight or flight kind of reaction, physical reaction. And so to enter into this time of holy pondering, just need to take some deep breaths, get your breathing under control, relax your muscles. You could literally do this sitting in your car in a parking lot before you go shopping or, you know, <laughs> while you're waiting for somebody who's shopping. To take these breaths to quiet your body. We're also a soul. And so to quiet our soul. And a technique that I have found really helpful in doing that is to just repeat the words of a psalm. Words that's like this. Be still and know that I am God. And to just say those words again and again, be still and know that I am God. And then to ask the Holy Spirit to bring to your mind those things that God is doing, how God has been at work in your life in the past, how God is at work around you, there's some questions you can ask yourself as you are kind of going through that process. Let me share four quick questions that you can be thinking about as you are entering into this holy pondering idea. The first would be, where do you see God at work in your life, either right now or in the past? Where have you seen God at work in your life, either right now or sometime in the past. And to bring those to mind. Another question you could ask is, what was God teaching me in that? You remember the situation? You remember what was going on? What was God teaching me in that? Third question you could ask is, where have you seen God, where are you seeing God at work in the lives of people that you know? Where do you see God's hand in the lives of people that you know? So maybe your spouse or, or your kids or your friends. Where do you see God at work in their lives? Or, and you could ask the question, where are you seeing God at work right now around you? Where do you see God at work right now around you? God is at work all around us. One of the things I loved about that video that we saw just a moment ago is people were sharing uh, their story of kind of what's been going on and, and what this church has meant to them over the past year, a difficult year, right? We're hearing their God at work story. 
their story helps us remember that God is always at work in real time and in real people's lives. Holy pondering is not that hard. It's a physical relaxation. It's getting your soul kind of settled. And then pondering, thinking about these things. Where do I see God at work? There is one hard part to this, though. You know what the hardest part to this is? Slowing down to do it. (laughs) Slowing down to do it. That's the hardest part. I read a social scientist who described the way that we in America in the 21st century live as hyper-living. We're living our lives skimming across the surface, living our lives at 100 miles an hour. Do you know how much you miss when you are driving 100 miles an hour? You hope, I hope you don't. <laughs> but you miss so much that's flying by you because you have to be hyper-focused on what is going on right now. A couple of uh, months ago, several months ago now, I shared a, um, a story about Dallas Willard, a great Christian thinker and writer. And Dallas Willard said to a pastor who was starting a new position and asking Willard for advice, and Willard's advice was, ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. There's a difference between being busy and hurried, right? And so that was his counsel to this pastor. The pastor, his name is John Ortberg, and John Ortberg got together with another pastor who's also an author, John Mark Comer, and the two of these guys came up with a spiritual discipline of sorts called slowing. Spiritual discipline of slowing. And I know what you're thinking, you know, like, really, Jeff? The week before Christmas, you want to talk about slowing. All right. All right, so maybe it's not for this week. Maybe this is exactly the week. Maybe this is for the new year. I don't know. But I think there's a lot of wisdom in this idea of slowing. And really what it's about is creating some margins in our life. When we live hyper lives, skimming across the surface, we have less and less margin in our lives. And when we have less and less margin, it does bad things to us internally, it does bad things in our relationships, it does bad things to us spiritually. And so we need to create some margins in our lives. So let me give you some practical suggestions. You're going to hate most of them, right? You're going to ignore most of them. You may ignore all of them. I'm just saying right up front, right? You may be on your phone right now like, "Eh, I'm not doing that. but it's all about creating space. First one, 
drive slower. Drive slower. I'm not talking about under the speed limit because that's just annoying, right? <laughs> right? That's, yeah, me. But drive the speed limit. When you do that and you kind of get out of the rat race of driving fast, thinking that you're making up time, which we never do. We're just speeding through life. But when you decide to kind of get out of that and you let people whiz by and so forth and you get out of that mindset, it, it calms your spirit a little bit, calms your body a little bit and gives you some space to maybe ponder because you're not driving as fast. Here's another one. Get to an appointment 10 minutes early and then don't pull out your phone. Right? Instead, I know, it's crazy talk, right? <laughs> Whatever would I do? What if you just looked around? What if you talked to another human being? I know, this is all crazy. <laughs> right? <laughs> or what if you just took those 10 minutes to prepare for whatever this appointment is and maybe do some business with God as you prepare your heart, your mind for this appointment? Here's one of my favorites intentionally get in the longest line at the grocery store. Right? On purpose. And then don't use that experience grinding your teeth and being annoyed at the people in front of you and how slow they're going and the checkout person and how slow they are and how this whole process and the store stinks and the manager ought to be fired. And we go to crazy town, right, as we're standing in line? What if you took, you did it on purpose so you know you're gonna be standing and you just use that time to, I don't know, maybe talk to another human being or maybe to just do some holy pondering. Look, I've got some time now, Lord. Let me think about the ways that you're at work in my life right now. To see that as an opportunity instead of a problem. Here's last one. Make your smartphone dumber. Make your smartphone dumber. All of those apps that are sending you notifications all of the time, mute them or at least some of them. I know somebody who, it drives them crazy when they see the little number on the app that says there's like something there that they should be paying attention to. And just by seeing that, they have to go and get that number to go away. Right? We become slaves to our technology. What if we spent less time on that. I said that was the last one. I've got one more. <laughs> Is there anyone that you don't hate yet? Just curious. 
put yourself on a diet. I'm not talking about a food diet. Okay. How about a diet of less TV? Or less time on social media? Or less time in front of screens? Because we are enslaved to our technology. The point of all of this isn't to create a whole new set of laws, right? That truly spiritual people, you know, don't do these things and do these things and so forth. It really is to create some margin. We have some margins. We make some decisions that we could make other decisions about in order to give ourselves the opportunity, the space to be in relationship with God and to do some holy pondering. and to learn the lessons that God is trying to teach you. Because holy pondering, holy pondering is what keeps us from being swept away by the whirlwinds of a busy life. And we don't want to get to the end of our lives and think, what was I doing? What was I doing? What was I thinking? How did I allow myself to miss all of this life by living at a hyper level? I want to close with just a personal story. One of those times in my life that God was at work and teaching me some lessons. And it's one of those times, one of those experiences that I pull out periodically and remember and consider and meditate on. And the reason I'm sharing this story, and I've got many stories I could share with you about God's work in my life, in the lives of my family, in the lives of people around me, in your lives, I have lots and lots of stories but the reason I chose this one this morning is because it's a Christmas Eve story. It's back in 1992. That was the dark ages of 92, right? Way back then. Back in 1992, the church was just a few years old at that point, a couple of years old. Uh, both of our sons, Matt was an infant, Josh was barely a toddler, and Marilyn was being treated for cancer. And at this point, she was several treatments in, and she had gotten very sick. She spent several days in the hospital in the run-up to Christmas. We, we pressured the, uh, the doctors to let her come home for Christmas, even though she wasn't feeling that much better. Not better at all, really. And I remember that Christmas Eve she was too sick to go to the service. The last thing I wanted to do was to go lead a Christmas celebration. And so we were in the high school. That night, it was raining. I just wanted to stay at home. I was worried, I was scared. I was tired. The last thing I wanted to do was leave my house 
and go to a Christmas Eve service. But, you know, a job. <laughs> and I remember, you know, parking the car and walking up the sidewalk in the rain, thinking, I really don't want to be here. I'm walking into that school lobby, and the volunteers beginning to show up. And many of them knew what was going on in our lives at that point. And several of them just, as soon as they saw me, they just came over and gave me a hug. Asked how I was doing. Many of them shared how they were praying for Marilyn. And that began to lift my spirit a little bit. And then as people started coming in and they were so excited about you know, the Christmas Eve service and Christmas and all of that stuff and, and just bringing that energy into the room and that began to lift my spirit. And then the service began and the music, as it always has been here at Hope, was just so meaningful and done so well. It just was lifting my spirit. I, friends, have no idea what I said that night. Sure, it was brilliant. <laughs> Probably had something to do with the birth of Jesus. But what I do know and what I remember was God just lifting me up in that moment. At the time where I was at a real low. And what I realized was I wasn't going to work. I was going into the presence of God. And that he was going to use his church, his people, to lift me up in that moment. And so ever since that Christmas Eve, I have that awareness. You know, over the years as the church has grown and we've done more and more Christmas Eve services, you know, people started to say like, oh my gosh, that must be exhausting. You know, and they'd be leaving like, all right, that's two down. You got three more to go. And I'd be saying, you know what? I, that's not how I feel. Because I know that there's going to be a Jeff Bills who needs this service tonight. Who needs their spirit lifted. Who needs this encouragement who needs this blessing. And I don't know who it is or what service they're going to come to, and so I just want each one to be the best it can be. I want people to be here to embrace one another, to give that kind of encouragement. Holy pondering keeps us from being swept away by the whirlwinds of a busy life and reminds us that God is at work in your life and all around you right now. Would you stand as we close our time together?
Lord, forgive us for hyper-living. For so filling our lives with a lot of meaningless stuff that we end up just skimming across the surface and missing out on seeing all of the ways that you are at work in our lives, in the lives of people around us, and in the lives all around us. Lord, help us to slow down long enough to be able to see it, to reflect on it, to be transformed by it, so that we might truly live the abundant life that you have for each of us who follow Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for loving us enough to being in our midst always and in all ways. We give you thanks and praise. In the name of the one whose birth we celebrate, in Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week.